if we consciously make the commitment to be in the moment consistently and follow up consistently after everything is perfect in the moment, then that's where we're really going to stand out and that's where we're going to get the results. As a loyal Best Ever listener, you know that it's important that we as entrepreneurs focus on managing our time effectively, which is why we're always looking for ways to automate the basic duties of our business so that we can focus more time on our money-making activities. That's why I want to introduce you to Rentler.com. At Rentler, landlords and property managers can perform all their duties in one place. Rentler offers tools that allow you to automate tasks like listing a unit for rent, finding and screening tenants, collecting rent, and managing the maintenance requests. And even better, these tools are offered at zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever to get started today. How you doing, best ever listeners? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. We got follow along Friday today, whole lot going on, and we've got a listener question that we're going to address and spend some time on because I think it will be helpful for a lot of you all. And we got Theo Hicks with us on Friday as usual. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Joe. How you doing? I'm doing great too. You have the vacation glow already, even though you (laughs) are not quite yet on vacation. Real quick, where are you headed tomorrow? We're going to Nice, France tomorrow for 10 days in Europe. So we're going to Nice, Rome, and Amalfi Coast. I'm super excited about that. It's going to be a good time. Lots of wine and lasagna. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) I literally ate lasagna every single meal when I was in Italy for our honeymoon. Every single meal. I Well, not breakfast, but lunch and dinner, lasagna. But next fall on Friday, my face will probably be a little bit bigger from all the carbs (laughs) that I'm going to (laughs) eat. Well, enjoy yourself. And we've got an episode today where we're going to be talking about listener questions. So what do we got going on? So the question was submitted by Elijah, and it's a great question. It's very applicable to anyone who is interested in becoming an apartment syndicator at any point in their investment career. Just a quick background on him. He's a senior in Texas. He What school? Uh, Texas A&M. Oh, Texas A&M. Never mind. We don't want to answer his question. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> He's already gotten his real estate license and read and listened to all the books and podcasts and seminars, or at least a lot of them in regards to real estate investing. So his question in particular is two parts. I think what we're going to say will address both of them. His first one is he wanted just some general advice on what distinguishes a good versus a bad investor. But I think the better part of his question was when he said, additionally, if there is any type of task or work that you need done, I would like to offer up my assistance. Though I may be young and have little experience, I will work hard. I'm constantly looking for an opportunity to get into the industry and prove myself. And I'll do just about anything that I can do to further my knowledge and begin building my real estate investment skills. So he wants to become a real estate investor. And for this conversation, I think we should talk specifically about apartment syndications because he's wanting to work for you. He's wanting to work in an apartment syndication business. And he's asking essentially how he can get started in the business. And his answer is to intern with an experienced investor. So I think what we want to talk about today was all the different ways that someone could get started or break into the apartment syndication industry with one of those being what Elijah is attempting to do, which is 
intern, shadow, work for an experienced investor. So do you want to provide your thoughts on that? And specifically, I know you wanted to explain what you usually do when someone reaches out to you asking to intern for you. Sure. So that's a whole lot of stuff. Let's break it down for my own purposes. Okay. First question was, what's the difference between a good and bad investor? Is that Mm -hmm. correct? Okay. Three things. One is focus on capital preservation. Two is optimizing your approach on a consistent basis. And three is having a vision for the future. That is what successful or good investors do. And the opposite is what bad investors don't do that. So let me elaborate. One, good investors focus on capital preservation. Good investors know that it's a lot harder to be financially independent and financially abundant if you lose money on transactions compared to trying to make money. So if we focus on capital preservation first, preserving the money that we have earned and then growing it, that's going to be a more effective approach. And it's not just talking about it. It's about how it's practically implemented in your underwriting, in your management, in the market selection, in the submarket selection, in the team that you surround yourself with. It's all those different things that make a deal vulnerable to losing money. Being aware of all those different touch points or vulnerabilities for how you could lose money is necessary in order to be focused on capital preservation. Mm -hmm. So there's an awareness that must be present for all the different ways you could lose money. And there's a conscious effort to preserve your capital and mitigate the risks in each of those areas. And we've talked about the different areas on previous calls and other formats, blogs, etc. And that's not really the purpose of this episode. But capital preservation, number one. Number two is optimizing as you progress. And basically what I mean by that is when you mess up, learn from it, and then fix it moving forward. Mm-hmm. When we learn from our mistakes as they come, which they will come in varying degrees, then we're not repeating those same ones and we continue to progress and get better and better and get stronger and stronger and get bigger and bigger. And the third is having a vision for the future. And that comes into play by listening to podcasts like this one, learning from the guests that I interview. I learned so much from the guests that I interview. It's incredible. And that helps me and Ashcroft, my company, achieve greater and greater results because I'm learning a lot from all the people I'm interviewing. And fortunately, we're recording those interviews so everyone who's listening can learn from the people and then apply certain things from interviews into our business and help with that vision for the future. Because regardless of where we're at in our real estate journey, there's always something that we can aspire to. And there's always someone we can model, whether or not it's just from a 
pure portfolio value standpoint, you might be at the top of the world if you have the largest portfolio. But perhaps I interview a wholesaler, and you don't even do wholesaling. Perhaps I interview a wholesaler who has a system set up with their team or they have a way to find off-market deals that can be applied to what you're doing to enhance your portfolio. So continuing to learn and having that vision for the future is necessary. So those are the three things. One, capital preservation being the focus. Two, optimizing. And then three, having a vision for the future. That's what good investors, and not to split hairs here, but good isn't good enough in today's world. You got to be outstanding. And again, I don't want to get into semantics here, but I do want to make the point that good isn't good enough now because of the competition. And I live in a world of abundance. So when I say competition, I'm not talking about cutthroat stuff, but I am talking about there is competition. And because of competition, because of the world that we live in with constantly being inundated with different things, social media, all sorts of different things, we have to stand out. And in order to stand out, we have to be outstanding. So those are my thoughts on it. Basically, those three things, the capital preservation, basically not making the same mistake twice. Those things are what you need to do at the very least to not be a bad investor. And then kind of the theme of this podcast is we always talk about things that you can do to go above and beyond that or to be an outstanding investor. Kind of a lot of what you said too, also kind of dovetails with what we're going to talk about next in particular when, it's, when you're talking about the vision. An example you gave of that was the podcast. So just kind of transitioning into the next part of this question, which is about how we can break into the industry. One of those is starting some sort of thought leadership platform. But before we get into that, I know you wanted to mention the five things you ask when someone reaches out to you to be some sort of intern or, or shadow you. Sure. I get that request fairly regularly and by fairly regularly, once a week. I get a, Joe, love what you're doing. I'd love to intern for you. What can I do? And I connect them with my assistant and my assistant, she's more than assistant. She's like operations queen. But (laughs) they got six things that we tell them they can do as a test to see what they got. And those six things, one is we need Amazon book reviews Mm -hmm. for the books that we have. So read the book get your friends to read the book and then leave a genuine review about the book and then send us screenshots of the reviews. Two is iTunes reviews of the podcast. Same thing there. Leave genuine, authentic reviews of the podcast after listening to it and then have others do the same who you know. Three is we have a conference in Denver, Colorado every year at besteverconference.com attract attendees to the conference. Tell us who you signed up for is book purchases, buy the books, all the profits go to junior achievement in Cincinnati. I don't make a penny on it, but it helps with the Amazon ranking of the book, which Mm -hmm. then encourages other people to buy the book because it's ranked higher and it's shown more prominently. Five is advertising sponsors for the podcast. Right now, that's not necessarily a need because we're booked out with sponsors, but that is another way. If they have a sponsor, then great. 
Samantha will connect with that sponsor. And if they are responsible for signing up a sponsor, then that's very valuable. And then six is finding an off-market deal. This is a taller task. Finding an off-market deal, 150 plus units, value add in a large city built between 1980 and 2005. Much taller task right there, but that's the six. And 99% of the time, we don't hear back from them. (laughs) We don't hear back from anyone after we say, oh, you want to intern? Great. Here's a test. Go do one of these six things and take massive action with it. Send us the results and then we'll have a conversation. We do it as a filter. We have a higher Mm -hmm. threshold and we don't hear anything back 99% of the time. And that's okay. I mean, I'm fine with that. Because it's a screening process to screen out anyone who was up late at night, listened to the show, was sending an email, and then forgot about it when he or she woke up the next morning. Mm -hmm. It was a priority for them at that moment in time, but yet it's not a consistent priority over a longer period of time. And isn't that the case with some people, regardless of if they're just starting out wanting to intern? just in general. It's a priority at some period in time, but not a priority over a consistent period of time. So those are the things I do. How that can be applied for any best ever listener is have a filtration process for how people intern with you. And that will screen out a lot of individuals and that will help you be more efficient and effective with your time because you're now only working with those individuals who have put forth consistent effort to generate business results for you, and they've already proven their value. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's likely, although not guaranteed, that they will continue to prove that they are valuable to the business once they join. And if I was listening to this and I was on the other side, I wasn't the person that was trying to hire an intern, but I was someone who was attempting to become an intern, And I heard you just mention the six things that you ask an intern to do as like a test. I wouldn't even reach out to you first and say, hey, Joe, what can I do for you? I would just do one of those things or all of those things. Obviously, I couldn't just find a deal out of the blue, but I would do those things and say, hey, Joe, I read your book. I I read your podcast. I did all these things and then screenshot all of it and then ask you, hey, I'm interested in interning for you just so you kind of address that test up front. So I know you mentioned before that if you want to intern for someone, let's say you're listening to a podcast of apartment education, like this one. And the person brings up a problem they're having in their business or some sort of need that they have, just address it for them, do it, and then tell them you did it. You don't really have to ask for anything because from your perspective, if someone does that for you, you're like, wow, this person is probably legit. And so if something happens to come up, you'll remember that person over someone who kind of just sent you an email asking what help you need. You are special, not like most people, but fortunately... The best ever listeners are also not like most people. Otherwise, they wouldn't be listening to a daily podcast. But people outside of our audience, it's just not as typical. Because you did that. That's how you and I got connected. You actually did some projects for me, crazy spreadsheets, and I was blown away. I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's a lot of spreadsheet stuff. So that looks pretty legit. (laughs) Looks like he knows what he's doing. And that's how you and I got introduced. Exactly. At this point, you were asking for essentially an intern. And then I think you specifically asked for help with your podcast. And I was like, all right. So I did a bunch of research to figure out how people grow their podcasts. And then I was like, we should just do this and I'll do all of it for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
And the spreadsheet you're talking about, I remember I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to log all of his reviews he's ever gotten. So like right now there's like almost 600 reviews. I think at the time there's maybe closer to like 300. So I wrote them all down and I categorized all of them based off of what people liked about the podcast. And I figured out how we could use that to get more of an audience. And that was a spreadsheet and you're like, this is exactly what I was looking for, but I really appreciate the effort. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It worked. Yeah. And you know, whenever I was in advertising my previous career, I would speak to individuals who wanted to get into the advertising agency world. They Mm -hmm. were college seniors and they asked me the same question. How do I get a job at an advertising agency? And it's the same answer. I said, well, you're in college. You have access to your friends and your age, your demographic is very attractive to brands they want to reach college students because then they'll have a lifetime customer. Mm -hmm. So how about you research the clients that the advertising agencies have and then do a focus group with your friends about those brands? So for example, if advertising A, we'll just call it advertising A, had a client that was Doritos, well, wouldn't advertising A benefit by having a focus group with college students about Doritos that they can then share with the Doritos point person? Yeah, of course. It's cool. Might not lead to anything, but it's still pretty cool. So if the college student simply spends a Friday or Tuesday, has some friends at their dorm or apartment, eating Doritos and just talking about Doritos and then proactively sends that to the advertising agency, a person Mm -hmm. or HR department, they're going to be blown away. Proactively doing stuff, adding value and then starting the conversation. Same thing with real estate. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely applies universally. And again, you never know when the person you're reaching out to is going to need to hire a new employee. It could be a year from now or it could be at that exact moment and you just happen to be there at the right time and they offer you a job. I had no idea that I'd be doing what I'm doing now with you when I first went to your meetup group and I barely even knew who you were at all. And you just happened to be asking for someone that time. So you don't really know where these things are going to lead. Then on the other note, if you're also going to do this approach, don't expect the first person to reach out to to hire you. It's possible for sure, but I would say what's more likely is there's going to be a process until you find someone that wants to hire you, but also that you want to intern for, and that they're doing what you actually want to do, of course. So one way to break into the industry for sure is to intern. We just went over a bunch of different ways that you can approach that situation. Another one, this is going back to what you were talking about with a vision in the podcast, is to create your own thought leadership platform, whether it's a podcast or a meetup group, or you do a blog or a YouTube channel. We have a blog post. If you just go on the Joe Fairless page and search thought leadership platform. Well, in fact, we actually have a thought leadership category with 10, 20 articles in there. But the reason why you want to do that is because one of the things you need in order to break into the industry is education. And if you create your thought leadership platform, as Joe mentioned, you could basically create your own educational program by interviewing all the experts in the industry that you want to be a part of. So if you want to become an apartment syndicator, then you can start an apartment syndication podcast and you don't have to know anything yourself. It'd be helpful if you did, but you don't have to know anything yourself. You can just bring people on and interview them once a week and do that for six months to a year and just imagine how much knowledge you would have about apartments 
but also imagine the relationships that you've made with the people you've interviewed. And then also the people that are listening to your podcast as well. It's proven. It works. Just a matter of doing it consistently over time. We were talking about this a little bit yesterday and you called this your own MBA by creating your thought leadership platform and do that for a year. And again, just imagine how much knowledge you would gain. And again, you don't know where these relationships are going to lead. You could find someone who's willing to partner with you that has access to raising money, but you don't have the experience. You can find someone that has the experience to partner with. You could find different team members. You could potentially find it in investors. Um, So I mean, just the benefits of a thought leadership platform are really endless. Tim Ferriss talks about his real world MBA. He was going to go some Ivy League school, spend six figures on that. But then he decided to take that money and invest it in startups. If he lost it, he lost it. It was going to be a real world education. I don't think he ended up losing. I think he ended up doing really well. And he learned real world style. Same thing here, except he was doing it more in private and this is more in public. So in addition to learning, you'll also be creating relationships with the audience and that is going to be incredibly valuable. And I would imagine after listening to this podcast, if you're a loyal best ever listener, you already know the value of a thought leadership platform because we talked about it many times before. So we won't go into it Mm -hmm. too much more. Uh, but the URL is besteverblog.com. And when you go there, then you can check out the thought leadership category. Exactly. On a similar note to the thought leadership platform, you can proactively create relationships with people in your market through a meetup group or just through reaching out to brokers or property management companies or mortgage lenders in your area and meeting with them. I know you interviewed, his name is T, the real estate broker, and he had really, really, really good strategies for how to build a relationship with a broker when you've never done a deal before. And it involved things like you could pay them, but if you don't have money, my favorite one that I like the most is that you reach out to them and or you find a list of the properties that they've recently sold. Yes, you go go look at these properties and then you write down what you like about it, what you don't like about it with the purpose of sending an email or calling the broker and telling them what you liked about the property, what you didn't like about the property so that they know what type of deal you're looking for. But also at the same time, it's showing that you're the real deal because you're actually getting out there and doing something. And as y'all mentioned, 99% of the time, people don't really do anything. I'm sure that applies to brokers too. 99% of the people that reach out to them, they have the meeting and they're super jacked up in that moment of doing a deal. They never hear from them again. So not only are they hearing from you again, but you're showing them that you're actually doing something. So kind of take that same idea and apply that to a property management company, to a mortgage lender, and start building our relationships that way. That is really what sets good investors apart. I'm going to add a point to Elijah's question. When we're at a conference and everyone's pumped up and everyone's in the moment and everyone's connecting and everyone's going to be best friends for life and it's great, (laughs) it's wonderful. But then fast forward one week, how many people don't follow up? How many people don't? continue that momentum. I did gratitude training in December of last year. And I spoke about, it was kind of a wacky experience. I (laughs) I forget what episode it was, but I thought it was a cult going into it and coming out of it. It may or may not be, I'm not sure, but I got some lifelong lessons from it. So perhaps it was worth the time. But what I want to mention about that experience is that I connected with a couple people And one of them, we've stayed in contact. Another one, 
She was a single mom in Charlotte, North Carolina. Worked for the government. I'm guessing made thirty-five thousand or so a year. She was looking to buy a house for the first time, and we connected really well. We had lunch one of the days because I told her I was in real estate, and she was wanting to buy a typical house, white picket fence, that sort of thing. And I said, "Well, what about house hacking?" I didn't call it house hacking, but I told her the house hacking thing. And it blew her mind. <laughs> she was like, really? I said, yeah. Why don't you not pay a mortgage? Instead, have someone else pay your mortgage, and then you live rent-free. Or if you get a really good deal, you make 10 bucks, 100 bucks a month, and you still don't have to pay a mortgage, and someone else is paying your mortgage. She was blown away. She loved it. She wanted it. I followed up with her three weeks after, nothing. She didn't reply to my Facebook message. I hate Facebook messages. I always do email. I hate Facebook messages. But I cared about her so much. I followed up with her and she just faded the black. And I don't know. It's one example, but it's actually, it's a microcosm of just generally people's approach. In Tony Robbins conference, same thing. So it's not just this gratitude training where it was a little wacky, but Tony Robbins conference, Unleashed the Power Within, went there in November, met up with a group of eight or nine individuals. We all connected. One of them had the idea of a Facebook group where we have a private Facebook group. And immediately when I think that, I think, well, it's great in the moment, but it's not going to last long term unless I'm thinking this, unless I lead it. Because I will make sure that the community stays engaged. But he had the idea and he was a go-getter. So he let it. Fast forward, what are we, eight months later or so? Crickets, nothing. And some of it's on me. If I really wanted to do it, I could get the group more engaged. But that's just how we are as human beings. And the point of all of this is that if we consciously make the commitment to be in the moment consistently and follow up consistently and do things consistently after everything is perfect in the moment, then that's where we're really going to stand out and that's where we're going to get the results. Because in those moments at those conferences, I'm even kill because I know exactly what's going to happen to 90% of the connections. Nothing's going to take place afterwards because people just don't follow up. But when we do, then we can stand out and then we can truly become outstanding. I'm in total agreement. I see the same thing. I also am a victim of this as well. But I know if I didn't have systems in place, I would forget everything. So I always have a piece of paper next to me with everything I need to do for that week. And whenever someone tells me, hey, Theo, you know, even something as simple as you know, call Verizon Wireless, change our phone to international, I would completely forget. And so I walk into my office, I write it down, I circle it. Circle means like it's a high priority. And I make sure that at the end of the week, I have X's through everything. You're very good about that. Working with you for as long as we work together, you are very good at that. And, and again, it doesn't take that long. The piece of paper is, if you're watching right now, it's just big. <laughs> it's got a bunch of stuff on it. And you need to figure out why you're not following up. 
and then figure out what system you can put in place to make sure that you are forcing yourself to follow up. And it, and it takes time and, it, and then you build momentum on it and then eventually it should become second nature. But again, it's just so important because you just don't know where just a simple follow-up can lead to. Here's my piece of paper if you're watching it. I have highlights and, oh, I, have highlighter list and I just I highlight it through. I've, I've got a pen now that has a highlighter and a, a pen, so it's it's fun to highlight once it's done. Actually, I might do the highlighter instead just because it's a lot brighter. And like yeah, it's, it, yeah, it, it, it's it, cool. It's, yeah. More of an accomplishment. So those three things that we mentioned, the interning, the thought leadership platform, and then just kind of forming relationships and then following up, those are kind of the three main ways to break into the industry. Let's list off a couple of others that you can do. As Joe already mentioned, you can find them a deal. You can find the apartment indicator a deal and, and bring it to them and you know, get some sort of finder's fee or get um, a chunk of the GP or just ask them, hey, here's this deal. Do you mind if I literally shadow you through this entire process? And I'll just give you the deal and not take anything. Depending on what you want to do and what your outcome is, I would probably be more in that latter camp just because I would want to, assuming I didn't know anything about apartment syndications, that's what I would do because I want to learn what's going on. Another good way to learn about it is to passively invest in a deal. Again, you need money for this and you're not going to be able to control it, but just going through the process of the new investment call and then getting all the, the different updates that are provided by this indicator after the deal's closed, you'll learn a lot more than you would otherwise by actually being involved in an actual deal and kind of seeing what the week-to-week, month-to-month operations are like. Um, and then finally, the other thing I can think of, and Joe, correct me if this is something that you're not allowed to do, raise money for a syndicator. So if you don't have any experience, but you have access to private capital, you got a network of high net worth individuals, your family, you got family money, whatever it happens to be. And tell them that you're interested in being a plumbing apartment syndicator and that if you find something that meets their investment goals, would they be interested? And then reach out to a syndicator. Again, correct me if you're allowed to do this or not and offer to raise money for their deals. Episode 1054, getting paid to raise capital without being a broker. Yeah. I interview Amy Wan. She is a securities attorney and we talk about how to do that legally episode 1000 we meaning she talks about how to do that legally episode 1054 getting paid to raise capital without being a broker great so it is possible and listen to that episode to learn exactly how to do that legally and then get creative i guess this is the last one figure out what you're good at and then figure out how you could apply that to breaking into the industry we've all got unique talents and completely different backgrounds and so what we brought in today are kind of general ways to enter but if you have another way based off of your background or your experience or wherever you are financially at the moment, do that and tell us about it. <laughs> so we can add it to our list. We have an article, six ways to break into a multifamily syndication. If you just search that, you'll find it. Yep. Do you have anything else that you want to add to this topic or do you want to move on? to? Uh, move, I, I'm good, my friend. All right. On some updates besides personally me being super jacked up to, to go to Europe for the next 10 days. From a business perspective, as everyone knows, I've got my three fourplexes and we're finally fully occupied. We just signed the last lease yesterday. So we've got 12 units from there. And then also for our, our single family house, they're moving in in a week or two, actually. I'm not sure exactly when. Their lease technically started in April. So I was going to say, they've been paying you for a while because we talked about that a while ago. Yeah, they've been paying us since April, but they're actually moving in in June. Okay. So I'm very happy that we're stabilized at our fourplexes. And we're still in the process of raising the rents on one of the buildings. We've done it on two so far. And we raised the rents for the two beds from 750 to 825. And for the one beds, 580 slash 600 to 
I think between 650 and 685, depending on the unit. And then for the second building, two people left and said no. So those are the ones that we had to fill. And then we're working on the third building right now. Any idea what your income level was across all 12 when you took over and what it is today? It was about, I would say, subtracting the major one-time maintenance expenses, which I would consider those CapEx, so I'd take those out. Each property was probably cash flowing between 500 and 750 per month. And now it's each, about a each unit, each fourplex. So each fourplex. Uh, I guess that would be, I don't know, like 200 to 250 around there per unit per month. And now we're probably closer to a thousand. That also includes the other income from the, the laundry. But we're closer to a thousand now per month after I pay the mortgage, after I pay for the utilities, and then I save up some money for ongoing repairs. So from 750 to a thousand about per fourplex, did I hear you right? Yeah. So about $250 per fourplex mm-hmm. increased cash flow. So whatever that would be per unit, a little under around 65 bucks per unit in, a, in rental increase. Just because the one bedroom rents, we increased a lot more than we increased the two bedrooms. Just because the two bedrooms are already close enough to market rents. And it's amazing. It also accounts for the management too, as well. So I'm accounting for the management before too, because we didn't have management before. So that 500 to 750 is including the management fee as well. Awesome. Yeah, so those are my updates on those properties. And if anything else happens, I'll I'll definitely bring it up. What about you, Joe? Closing on a deal today, a 300 plus unit apartment community in Dallas. And excited about that. We'll be sending out an email to all of my investors in that deal once we officially close. So that's the big thing for today. Other than that, we are diligently focused on the performance of our portfolio, and that's a primary focus. And then secondarily, we're looking for new opportunities, challenging to find them, but we're looking at a whole bunch, and we'll see what happens. That's fantastic. All right, just to wrap up the episode, make sure you guys check out the Best Ever Community and join the Best Ever Community on Facebook. Please go to bestevercommunity.com. It will direct you to that page. Each week we post a question and we've been getting a lot of great responses, a lot of great engagement lately. Some good back and forth debates on the comment section below the questions. And it's, it's very interesting to read and hear different investors' perspectives on the question. I think this week we'll have a lot of different answers as well based on this question, which is what metrics or metrics do you use to qualify an investment? And so these are things like do you use a specific cash on cash return factor, Is it a specific IRR number you're looking for? Do you just use a 1% rule and buy based off of that? Is it a cash flow per door? Are you looking for a certain percentage of appreciation or anything else? So go on there and tell us what you look for when you're analyzing the returns. And then also make sure you put what you're actually investing in as well, because it's going to be different for fix and flips versus apartment syndications. So me personally, I look at cash on cash return if I'm looking at these fourplexes. I want at least a 10% cash on cash every year projected when I buy. 15% would be great, but 10% a lot more realistic and is what I'm looking for. IRR is the primary metric we look at, at least a 22% IRR for the project. And then that's five years. We might be looking at longer term projects seven to 10 years in the future. 
and that IRR would go down because you return the money to them not as fast since it's over a long period of time, but then the annualized cash flow will be more important during the hold mm-hmm. period. And I want somewhere between eight and nine percent a year cash flow during the hold period, not including the profits from the sale if it's a longer term play. Yeah. I started doing a farmer's indication deals, that's what I'm gonna do too. Yep. And when I say at eight to nine percent, that's net to limited partners, investors, not mm-hmm. on the project level. Exactly. And lastly, make sure you guys subscribe to podcasts. And girls. Um, and girls, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review in order to help us understand how we can improve the podcast and also to let us know what we're doing right. And if you do, you'll be you have the opportunity to be the review of the week, which we'll read aloud at this point in the podcast. So this week's review is from Seth Herring or Hearing. I'm assuming it's Herring. And the title is Actionable Advice. And they say, love the variety of topics covered. And Joe does an excellent job following up when guests mention something that isn't initially clear. Most importantly, Joe is able to tease out actionable advice to incorporate into our investing activities. I hope you're able to keep this going for the foreseeable future. Me too, my friend. That's the plan. (laughs) And thank you for taking time out of your day to write a review. And I'm grateful that you're listening and I'm grateful that you're getting value. Most importantly, I'm grateful that you're getting value from the podcast. And everyone, please write a review that will help us continue to attract high quality guests and continue to help you with your real estate endeavors. The more valuable guests that we have on the show, the more valuable the content will be to you. And you can help with that by writing reviews because that helps with the exposure of the show. So thanks for that. Thanks for spending time. And and everyone, thank you for hanging out with us today. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Theo, enjoy Italy and everywhere else you travel overseas. You looking for a one-stop landlording software that helps you create listings, find and screen tenants, and accept rental payments while managing maintenance requests? Oh, by the way, it's zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever. See a rundown or abandoned house? Well, snap a picture with the Deal Machine app to instantly find the owner and get in touch via direct mail, email, and phone in just 10 seconds. Search Deal Machine in your app store or visit dealmachineapp.com.